So me, out of my background and the culture that I know, I said, no, thank you. And the chocolate and the teacher went away. I did not get my chocolate and I was so shocked. Like what happened? Then I learned that if you want that chocolate, you say yes from the first time and you take it. And no means a no. No one is going to insist on you. another episode of tumult i'm so excited you're here with me today and i really hope you enjoyed the past couple of episodes um thank you so much for your feedback for your engagement and i really really appreciate your support i'm very excited for today's episode of course because i got to talk to my lovely former arabic teacher noor al-zaman and we're going to talk about how language can function as a connecting tool for different cultures and to foster interactions between cultures and in turn foster peace in the world. I studied Arabic with Noor last year when I was still living in the Netherlands. I remember I was looking for a new challenge. I wanted to do something that was different to what I was doing in my studies. And I signed up with one of her classes. And at that point, she didn't have her own business yet. But in the meantime, she has founded her own business called Arabic is Simple. And honestly, I truly think that Arabic can be very simple with Noor and very, very fun, especially. I'm going to get into my personal reasons for studying Arabic at the end of this episode. But until then... If you're interested in listening and learning about the broader Arabic culture, and if you want to learn about Noor's experience as a refugee coming to Europe, sharing some of her personal stories of the journey to Europe, and how language can be a lifesaver and a peacemaker and was for Noor, then I hope you stay listening and I hope you enjoy. Let's get right into it. My name is Noor Alzaman Abu Shayer, a very long Arabic name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm originally Palestinian, uh, born in Syria from a Lebanese mother. Uh, so that actually makes me a refugee since the day I was born. And uh, I moved to the Netherlands five years ago. Um, I emigrated actually to the Netherlands. And uh, now I have the Dutch nationality and I have my own business and I'm the founder of Arabic is Simple platform to teach uh, the spoken Arabic to non-native speakers. Wow, I love that so much. And when you moved to the Netherlands five years ago, how, how was that for you? How was the whole, you know, arriving in a new country, uh, probably foreign country for you? Actually, it's just like from the beginning of... Uh, Uh, coming to the Netherlands, like from the moment that I made uh, such a decision, which is a big life decision, let's say, to leave everything behind, whether if it was because of war in the Middle East or because I am a refugee, so uh, I am not allowed actually to have a decent job. I'm not allowed to continue my education. Uh, there, I, I lack a lot of uh, my rights as a human being. 
Uh, add to that uh, being an Eastern woman as well, uh, living in the Middle East, that would uh, cause so many um, obstacles, let's say, in the way of uh, building the future or following ambitions and dreams. So uh, since the moment I made the decision of uh, taking a very, very dangerous trip that lasted for 15 days of walking and taking trains across Europe to reach to the Netherlands uh, was something very, very hard. But eventually I have reached a place that I feel somehow that I belong to. And that made the process easier and that made what living in here or uh, continuing whatever I'm doing easier because you have your rights, let's say. You have mm -hmm. the simplest things in life uh, that I felt like I earned and I can now benefit from. Uh, it was a di very difficult, still difficult until this day, but it's getting easier with time. The more I learn about the Dutch culture, the more I learn about the European culture, mm -hmm. the more I get involved in it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Did you already start some of uh, the things you do now, like journalism and writing, uh, when you were still living in Syria? Um, when I was, I, I lived in Syria a while, then I moved to Lebanon, actually, and mm -hmm. most of my work uh, career was in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. So um, I, uh, I started working as a translator because I have a degree in communication, art and translation. And uh, then uh, because it wasn't an enough job, so I had to add a job for it. And I come from a family that is full of journalists. My dad is a journalist, my mom, mm. my sister, like everyone in the family what? is a journalist. It's in the blood. <laughs> so I took the path as well. And I started uh, writing reports, let's say, about refugees. And it was, you can consider it in the time where the flow started to Europe, the immigration flow like around 2013 to 2015. Uh, so I was just behind the screen writing about this refugees. And one day I was one of them, which is uh, something <laughs> you wow. don't expect. It, it just happens. And uh, but working as a journalist in there um, is different than working as a journalist here. This is something that I don't think I can do here because I lack uh, the experience about um, politics about uh, how the society thinks how society goes so I've lost a lot of let's say experience that I've earned before it mm -hmm. doesn't worth anything in here because you know totally different words east and west so yeah. um, I had to start from scratch here I had to start all over so I decided uh, if I'm starting if I'm doing something then I'm actually going to do something that I really love and it was teaching languages to non-native speakers. So I started with teaching Dutch to Arab people. And then from there, I moved to teach uh, Arabic to Dutch people. And wow. then I came up with my idea <laughs> that is Arabic is simple to have my own business in the Netherlands who serves this aim, learning uh, cultures uh, for all the sides, teaching the culture to everyone because we need to uh, understand more about each other in this world. So. Let's say it's a it's a, it's a step towards a peace more peaceful world. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I would like to increase. Um, I would like to devote actually Arabic as simple to be as a platform, uh, not to not just like a language school to to learn the language, but it's also to learn the culture. So uh, we can maybe change the bad idea about Arabs that is spread around the media 
and uh, all over the world you know people people don't know arabs people don't know how we think or how we act we're really good people we're really generous people and this needs to be more shown the huge amount of immigration that has happened was uh, was a motive for western people specifically dutch people to learn uh, more about the arabic culture so they can communicate more with the refugees and in order to provide more efficient help and i would like to be a big part of that as well because if we understand each other we can provide so much more help we can we can reach places actually together and we can wipe the misunderstandings that happens all the time Yeah, yeah. And I remember so much in, in your classes, you really focused on culture. So the language, you know, you're going to a language school and you think, okay, it's going to be language, just, you know, learning grammar and stuff. But you really include culture and all the family structures. I remember that. Do you think culture is a very important part of language? Yeah, I, I do agree with that 100%. If you yeah. want to learn a language, you have to learn about its culture. Uh, li like you're learning the alphabet of that language. Um, let me just like uh, clear a, a small idea. Uh, Arabic is a very big and difficult language. It has many types, but there is on always one Arabic, which is the formal Arabic. And uh, that's what uh, people use nowadays in the Middle East for news or to read newspapers and to write books as well for cartoons so we can teach it for kids mm -hmm. but in the daily life we don't actually use the formal arabic we use the spoken arabic and each country has its own accent and each accent has like a lot of di dialects in it um what is happening actually people turn to study arabic and they go learn the formal arabic because that's like number one uh, resources on the internet and it's the Uh, original Arabic and they go to the Middle East or they try to speak to Arabic people and they are surprised that all what they have learned actually doesn't matter because people would answer them in the spoken and they wouldn't understand uh, so it created a huge gap between the learners and uh, the providers as well of uh, the teachers I mean uh, so something needed to be done regarding that um, If you think about the formal Arabic, you think about it as a language, just a language that you can learn like any other language without uh, going to the culture. But mm -hmm. uh, we're talking here about the spoken one and the spoken one is among people daily life. So it is the culture. It is the uh, way that people think, the way that people choose the words and how they are saying those words and in which situations they are using it. If you don't know why it has been said or coming from where, understanding it as a language would be very difficult. So linking the culture with studying the spoken Arabic is something new, actually, that as I'm doing, it's always separated. Like if you go online, you would find a lot of resources for Arabic, but uh, you would find separate resources for learning the culture and separate for learning the language. Arabic is simple as actually mixing them. I uh, do it on purpose that I teach the culture and then f from the culture lesson mm -hmm. I start giving the expressions, the words and the structure of the sentence and then you create a mixed uh, lesson between culture and languages, which uh, something that has uh, been very, very nice and joyful for most of my students. Yes. And you're one of them. <laughs> yes, I totally agree to that. Yeah. And um, would you say that there is one 
like one Arabic culture? Or how do you how do you convey it to your students um, that, you know, in some way there's like the Arab world, but then there's also so many separate worlds in that? It's definitely not one culture. It's more than one culture. But if we uh, specify it or link it a little bit to the religion that is uh, more powerful uh, than any other countries, because, you know, Middle East goes with the religion, with their rules, with their daily life. So it is somehow mixed with the culture. And that what makes it uh, uh, makes a lot of the general uh, cultural rules uh, among the whole Middle East is the same, almost. That makes it almost the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so linking it just like to a religious point of view and then how the people are reacting and what do people do actually is the thing that creates the culture. Plus you have the traditions that are very well known from ages until today that they don't change. So it is in the mentality of the people. So if you go to any Arabic country, you will have... Um, the same level of generosity, let's say. Like all the Arabs are generous because yeah. they must. Number one, they must. Number two, they love it. And number three, because they just want to do it. They just want to be generous. So it is a common thing. But go back to the reason why they are generous. You find out it's coming from the religion that is ordering people as whatever happens to you, as much poor as you are, always be generous if you have one piece of bread give half of it to the other person right next to you from this concept everything came out to and became traditions and became culture eventually became language that people use and expressions that people say to each other yeah and since arabic is is very much drenched with religion right almost every greeting has allah in it most formal greetings at least do you think religion and the language itself can be separated? Yes, definitely. They can be separated because eventually it's a language. Like not everyone who speaks Arabic is a Muslim and not uh, everyone who speaks English is a Christian, let's say. Uh, so it can be definitely separated. But uh, go ba- going back to the way of using the language is depending on the culture itself, on which region we are talking about and how much it's related to to uh, the Islam, let's say. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for example, the way people speak in Saudi Arabia is different than the way the people speak in Lebanon. Lebanon is a more an open country and uh, they speak more freely. But somehow the expressions with Allah there do still exist actually mm-hmm. in the Lebanese accent. Why? Because it's just linked to it. It just came that way. And people yeah. use it in many different situations, but it's not necessarily like a main thing that should be there in the person yeah. to speak that language. Yeah. And and when we talk about Levantine Arabic, what, what do we mean for people who don't know? Levantine Arabic is uh, the accent of uh, the four Levantine, uh, main Levantine countries, which is Lebanon, Syria, Palestine and Jordan. And uh, they are actually uh, Syria was the source of the Arabic language once upon a time. And uh, they are the closest accents to the formal Arabic in the grammatical structure as a language. Um, Like, why do you learn Levantine? Because if you go to Morocco, if you go to Tunisia, people would understand you, people would answer you. But we don't understand the Moroccan accent, for example. Most of Arab, most of Middle Eastern, we don't understand the Moroccan accent. 
Um, but everybody understands the Levantine because it's the closest to the structure of the formal Arabic. So it's known for people what's been said. As well, the sounds that we, um, the way that we pronounce the letters is also very close to the formal Arabic. And that what makes it number one understandable accent in the Middle East. Uh, plus, as I said, uh, a lot of uh, immigration has happened in the past few years, whether if it was inside the Middle East itself or outside the Middle East. And that caused a big spread for the Levantine accent because in the past years, the war was in the Levantine countries, which is Syria, and it was in Palestine for a long time as well. And uh, you have the borders with Jordan and Lebanon, uh, people are just emigrating from the, those areas and moving to other parts in the world. So the language and the accent is spreading as well. Yeah. Do you think since that has happened and more people are coming to European countries, for example, that Europeans want to learn the language in order to help people? Do you see a trend in that? At the beginning, I didn't. But recently, in the last year, it is happening. People are, because now, look, let's talk about the Netherlands only to make it like uh, as an example. Uh, when people started to come here and I was one of them, we are obliged to do, uh, to learn the Dutch language, to learn about the Dutch culture. And we do have exams in the language and in the culture as well. And uh, since now it's like four to five years, people are finishing the levels the required level of the language. They're, they're already doing their exams and they're passing. And now they are in the stage of looking for a job. So uh, because people are now getting introduced to the refugees that are available here, they are more interested what are these people are saying or why mm -hmm. these people are saying these things. So you see now recently uh, a very, very mo like people are motivated more to learn the Arabic, especially the spoken one, not not the formal one. Yes, yes. And and how do you feel about it as you were in this situation, even though you learned Dutch very, very fast? How, how does that help refugees if people are open to learn their language instead of always just, you know, you learn our language? Think about it as uh, something that would help to uh, make more bond with the people. Mm -hmm. like would make them closer so an ngo worker or a volunteer who volunteers to help refugee or a worker whose job actually to work in refugees camps or uh, refugees places um, whenever they speak arabic to the people you would see the smile that happens immediately like oh you speak arabic even if mm. he knows or she knows one or two words it just makes people feel uh, safer It makes people feel closer to each other. And uh, from there, you can actually create a communication bond between the two culture. And then the refugee is not scared as much as he was before, because yeah. he knows that this person somehow knows something about me, knows something about my language. So it gives a nice feeling. And that would automatically increase the amount of help provided from these people and increase the amount of acceptance for yeah. the help that is being given as well because Arabs in general in their cult culture uh, they have a nice thing they are very proud people so uh, whenever you tell an Arab refugee let's say uh, hey I'm here to help you he will be like no I don't need help because of the pride uh, but once you 
become like a friend with them or show them that you mean good. It's not that you're just showing off that you're helping or something. They would accept it willingly and they would be more open to it. And help will actually happen. Help will actually start to happen in, in a good place, in a good way. Uh, I can share with you a personal experience uh, from my trip. I was uh, I was in the middle of nowhere at one night. I don't know where I was actually. I was with a group of refugees. We were just like trying to find our path between on the borders borders between two countries, and it was raining. It was dark. It was I lost track of time, but it was around one to four a.m. One of those. Um, and we were really scared, let's say that. We were a group of almost 45 people just walking in the middle of nowhere. And suddenly we there was a car. And that car was marked with Red Cross. Uh, from that car, a man came uh, to us and he spoke Arabic to us. He was, he was European and he just came and spoke and said in Arabic, hey, it's okay, we're gonna help you. You're safe, we're helping you to find a good and clear path and you will get through this. But he said all of these sentences in Arabic. Not just me, but all of the group suddenly felt safe, suddenly felt comfortable. And suddenly we started following this person only because he said those few sentences in our language. But yeah. if he said them in another language, let's say in English, we would be like, yeah, we would need help, but we will walk behind him very scared. Even if he's Red Cross man, you never know what you what you have in those roads that you're crossing. So just as simple as that, few lines of our language, just put it a huge amount of peace inside of our hearts and just let us uh, follow him. And we actually reached a safe path and we continued our trip safely. But this mm. is like a very, very small example of many examples that I have and it's personal. So I really hope that yeah. the idea is reached <laughs> it really shows how important it is you know it's not it's not just oh nice that you know a few words it's just something it shows interest it shows care yeah and it immediately evokes trust and that's really 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 powerful and do you think since you are teaching dutch culture and dutch language to arabs do you think they're also more receptive to it because you know their culture and their language definitely definitely we, we actually need to learn the dutch culture before we teach them our culture because <laughs> there are huge differences so many differences like uh, and you learn them you learn them the hard way uh, so you until you are in the situation and something has happened to you because of a, dif a culture difference uh, you wouldn't realize it so even if you're studying in the books like books would not be able to tell you as much as the person himself can tell you uh, so that's why I try all the time in my lessons whether it was Arabic or Dutch that I created like somehow of a story or link it to a real-life situation uh, give examples from the real life so people get the idea um, but you learn it the hard way uh, for example a, a very funny example Dutch people are very direct and yes means a yes and no means a no immediately oh, yes. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's a if it's a general thing in Europe I haven't learned that yet but I know it is in nether in the Netherlands it is there uh, so when I first went to school my first day at school to learn the Dutch language and I had the cultural lesson 
the teacher came and uh, she was very happy to see us welcoming us in Dutch we were not understanding so we we're just like uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> she came and she gave us chocolate like she was like do would you like some chocolate and me and my other fellow students uh, as Arabs we say no the first time all the time out of polite we do not say yes directly if we say yes directly it's it's a uh, we mean we are impolite we, we didn't see chocolate before in our lives and we just want that chocolate immediately so we don't say yes we, we say no the first time and the other person should insist on us to take that piece of chocolate so me out of my background and the culture that I know I said no thank you and the chocolate and the teacher went away I did not get my chocolate and I was so shocked like what happened then I learned that if you want that chocolate you say yes from the first time and you take it and no means a no no one is going to insist on you yeah. and yeah. like on that a lot of situations real life situations that I try as much as I can to link them to my lessons to make people understand more about what's happening but they are like funny situations sometimes they can be hard like if they were in very formal uh, situations like uh, let's say if you have an appointment with the municipality something has to do with your papers this is going to cause a problem so now we're making an example and that example is on a daily life basis uh, things which is very simple and very funny but imagine this amount of misunderstanding on legal papers that would create a problem uh, in the work for the Dutch worker for the refugee who's seeking asylum etc 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 so very small things can count as very big things if you just measure them in the correct way uh, so it's it's really really important that people need to learn about each other all of us not I'm not not just Dutch Arabic but all of the languages all of the people around the world uh, if you want peace in this world before talking about anything learn more about the other people learn more about the other human they also have their own way of thinking uh, every nation has its own way of acting own way of saying stuff so learn more before you talk about them or learn more before you get involved with them so, so you don't create more problems we don't need more problems in this world we already have enough yeah so 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 true and, and since you are now in the Netherlands and you said earlier that you feel kind of settled there do you think your view on the world has changed because probably before since you were on the go a lot and you have the story of the journey to Europe how do you do you see the world differently I'm I'm not I'm gonna be honest I'm still processing that it's a very yeah. huge steps and it's been only five years and five years are not enough to settle uh, another 25 years of movement uh, so I am in the stage of uh, settling uh, but it is going good. I also married a Dutch person, so <laughs> that's, you know, uh, I was wondering. I was wondering. Yeah. Picture. When when did you actually marry? In September. In September. Newly. Oh. It's new. Yeah. In September wow. 2019, and and he's Dutch. So, um, but wow. uh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Like even we, though uh, we do have. Uh, different way of thinking, different culture, everything is different, but we match somehow because we understand each other. So yeah. that's another example <laughs> for what I'm <laughs> See? doing. <laughs> See? Oh, that's so lovely. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you, honey. And, um, so if you're like meeting a person now on somewhere in, in the Netherlands, 
are there people who ask you oh and where are you from and all of that you know how does that how do you deal with that and how do you think you know the person who asks should deal with that now whenever you meet someone new uh it's always like people are always wondering people always have a lot of questions and that's normal because curiosity is part of the human being nature mm -hmm. uh but once uh, you get questions like hey where are you from and people start to know that uh oh i am a refugee or i have done this and i've been in this and i've been in that um because uh the western people are not really used let's say the new generation only they're not used to the amount of sadness let's say that my generation has been through in the middle east there is a very big gap between us so if i start a conversation with a person it suddenly starts turning into um let's say sympathy more or more than a friendship and that's oh. something uh that is making a bit of lack of communication between me and the new generation like the people from my age um I, I I cannot communicate with them on the same level yet. And that's something I'm still working on because we come from totally different backgrounds and uh, the way we think is also different even though we share the same goals. We share the same ambitions of having peace and we want the world to be a better place. And But, but we the way we lived, uh, what I saw is different one what, than what the people I know saw. So... The first time meeting is always uh, shared with sympathy, which is nice, but I would like also to have some friends, you know? I, yeah. I would like to have a friend would be like, yeah, whatever, let's go do this or do that. Uh, but it started, yeah, but w once you get to know them and you see them twice or three times or more than once, uh, that idea starts to change and they start to be, hey, you're, you're, you're like us, let's say like this. Uh, yeah, you, you know this and you know that and you do that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> But uh, so it's the story is always somehow shocking. Uh, it brings a, a lot of sympathy, which is nice, but not preferable because we're all human. Come on. It's, a, it's okay. What happened with me? What happened with my people? It's okay. We're already coping with it. But we need you now to cope with it and just leave it yeah. on the side. And let's just treat each other as human, like the same side. Yeah. <laughs> same level, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you say that, I, I totally notice that I think that is the most common reaction from people who never had any experience with anything like it, you know, because I, I think from I can only speak for myself, but you're like um, you you just really don't know what to say. Right. And then you don't want to say anything wrong. And then you just pretend that this person is like so um, I don't know, you know, you pity them or whatever. It's not yeah. what anybody wants or needs. That's that's what actually happens. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what happens. And uh, that's why you have to learn more about how people think and how people react and what's the good reaction in these kind of situations. You wouldn't know it if you didn't ask. So people need to start asking more questions instead of uh, 
let's say, uh, impose the feelings. I don't know if mm-hmm. impose is a good word, yeah. but in, in place of just thinking about, okay, what do I say? No, ask, ask questions so you know the answers and then you will know how to react in the good way. That doesn't make uh, the other person feel somehow uh, the pity. Uh, I'm not saying it's their fault. They, they don't know, like you just said it. You don't mm-hmm. know, you didn't experience it. But if you don't know, please ask so you know and then you react. So, yeah. but let's hope, <laughs> let's, let's hope, hope it yeah. will happen. <laughs> and do you think, now coming back to Arabic is simple, uh, do you think a lot of your students, they, you know, they they seek a, a relation with you? You know, it's not just, okay, you're my teacher and I'm the student, but do you build friendships with your students? I do, I do. My, all my students are my friends. So it's not, yeah. it's not actually like a teacher and a student at all. It's like we're all the same. Uh, we're all friends, and I've made a lot. Most of my friends are my students, actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's so yeah, so definitely, definitely. Yeah. And what sort of people come to you? What is your target audience, and who is most interested in learning Arabic at the moment? Um, at the moment, uh, my own target customers are the NGOs, uh, the people who are uh, on a daily basis, uh, in intense daily basis situations with refugees. Their work is to be with refugees on a daily basis. So they need the language the most. They need the language, they need the culture, sorry, the most. And those are like the people that I target, but I also have um, another target customers and those are like the business people who do business in the Middle East to teach them more about their uh, new future business partner, let's say, and how does uh, the habits of building a business in the Middle East goes is also a possibility because if, um, Let's say I'm working on two paths, uh, the path of inside Holland, which is uh, the NGOs uh, to increase the amount of help that has been provided uh, and uh, to make this help actually worth what it's worth, because it's a huge help. It's amazing, uh, but it's not taking what it's worth yet. Um, and the business, uh, because the business people or let's say the companies, the big companies are the controllers of the economy and are the controllers of the world, if you want to think about it like this. If uh, both sides learn more, a little bit more about each other, they'd be able to understand each other more and more business would be happening, actually, and more poor people will benefit because then there will be more available jobs for people, there will be uh, more opportunities for the others, whether if it was from the Western or the Eastern culture, if we just know about each other, the good things, we already know the bad things, it's all over the media. Let's learn about Mm -hmm. the good things. So maybe we change that idea a bit and then you will find more and more powerful help is being provided, uh, not by one person, but from a lot of people, from a lot of companies without them even knowing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. And and what would you say to people who are in a similar position to yours and who also want to make a positive change you know to help the interaction with cultures and they maybe want to build their own business what is a step that you think is crucial and was very important for you to make first of all you have to really go for it if you really want to do something like that just just go for it but make sure that you learn about both sides. Don't go to one side more than the other. 
uh, if you're teaching a culture to another culture, you have to know both sides. It's like exactly what I'm doing. I'm teaching Dutch culture to Arab people and I'm teaching Arabic culture to Dutch people. So I'm mm -hmm. trying as much as I can to learn more about both. Uh, so I don't miss a gap or I can I can be at least able to compare both of them. It's not that uh, that you have to focus only on one and go for this one and this one is the best. No, no. It's once you say this one is the best, you you lost you lost your aim. You lost you lost the idea of why we're doing this. Uh, so if anybody wants to start teaching cultures to other people, just learn about the different cultures that you are teaching and learn as much as you can and then start teaching and uh, keep it open like keep an open space for more learning process like keep the learning going all the way you never know what uh, what might happen if you don't know something you might unintentionally cause a big misunderstanding and lose what you are working for so make sure you take the right steps to do this and be in the middle don't take mm -hmm. sides that's that's also important don't say this culture is better than this. No culture is better than other. Every culture is beautiful and every language has its own magic. And people need to believe that and learn about all of that. So I hope there will be more people that would do the same thing that I'm doing, but with other language, <laughs> not Arabic. Or else yeah. they'll be my competition. Oh, please. <laughs> please. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's really great advice, you know, because I think people tend to glorify one culture or this culture is now, you know, in, it's like on trend. It's not good. It ha oh, everything has the same intrinsic value, every culture, every language. I love exactly. that you said that. Exactly. And now we're coming to one last question. What are your wishes and goals for Arabic is Simple as your own business? As my own business, Arabic is simple is, I'm just gonna tell it to you in, in few words. Arabic is simple is a combination of my passion for writing because I write my own materials. I teach my own, I write the lessons from scratch for all the levels. And it's a combination of this passion of writing with a very big love for teaching. I love teaching. And the most important thing, it's my dream to be a peacemaker to by bringing different cultures together. I wish and I hope and I will one day be with Arabic is simple in this place that it is a big platform to learn about cultures, language, Arabic spoken language specifically, and to bring peace among the people, whether they were in the Middle East or outside the Middle East in any spot in this world just to bring peace, even if it was a little. Thank you so much. You're more I than welcome. Thank you for so having much. me. Thank you for making it until the end of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I hope you learned something about culture, about how language is such an important tool to interact um, with different cultures and bring people together. And I told you in the beginning that I'm going to talk a little bit more about my personal reasons for learning Arabic. There's so many reasons for that. I mean, I remember once writing an essay about 
how sometimes it is so important to do something that you are simply interested in without knowing if it's going to get you any benefit. Even though you would you would probably think that you will get a lot of benefit from learning a language, new people, new insights, as we learn now, and maybe Arabic is not the top priority on your list. It is simply about this um, intrinsic curiosity about something and then doing it without knowing where it's going to get you. It was truly that for me. And that was a big part of my experience. I was, um, I don't know, I always loved Arabic spoken language. Uh, it, it really fascinated me from the first time I heard it, which actually was pretty late in my life, I have to say. It was maybe when I was 15 and later on when I was working with refugees and doing some projects of some of my friends in the village. I, you know, I, I found this love for Arabic and also for the Arabic culture. I noticed that it's very different to what I was used to. It was, as Nur said, incredibly generous. Sometimes you don't understand why you're infatuated with a particular culture. And as we said, it's not good to glorify any cultures or to, to compare them against each other. But for me, I just really, really love Arabic. And of course, my partner speaks Arabic. So I have next motivation to, to, learn, to learn the language. And just like Noor said, I think as I ultimately... You know, in the course of my life, I want to um, do a lot of humanitarian work. And I think knowing all of that and knowing how it helped Noor in her journey and in her confidence in people and believing in the trust and trustworthiness of the person next to her by simply them showing respect by speaking their language is so powerful. And I really want to be that person. I really want to be that person. Um, and want to learn more about it. And I think the important difference, the point to why Noor is offering really something amazing is the spoken Arabic. I really want to focus on the spoken Arabic. Of course, it's lovely if you can write and read, of course, and I do want that in the long run. But truly, what connects us is truly interactions especially live interactions. So it's just such a nice feeling if you're somewhere, as I was in Saudi Arabia in the beginning of the year, and you hear people talk and you can understand things and you can say, like, I have maybe my five expressions that I say <laughs> at every given moment. It engages you in the culture, it engages people, and it shows interest and care and, yeah that's um that's about it i definitely will resume learning arabic and and until then check out her website arabic is simple and all of her socials are arabic is simple follow tumult on instagram to stay up to date uh, instagram is the platform i use the most to engage with you and yeah thank you so much for tuning in again i really hope you enjoyed this episode and i'll see you in two weeks take care